0: The state of air travel. It's been a headline story in this country for a long, long time, and usually for all the wrong reasons, right? Last summer, if you remember, was sheer chaos. Just not so. The holiday season was another bit of mayhem. Horror stories seem to make it onto the nightly news pretty regularly. And usually, in fact, almost always, it's the airlines that get the bulk of the blame, right? But there are other issues at play. And the airline's bring this up every single time things seem to go off the rails. They say, you know, it's not all our fault. There are other issues. There's there's airport issues, there's air traffic issues, all kinds of things. It's not just us. Um And for years, there have been other crises in other areas of aviation that do affect traveling for sure. And one of them, fair enough, is staffing with air traffic control. It's not good. Let's find out how bad it is. We're going to speak with Duncan D, who is an aviation consultant and the former COO of Air Canada, Duncan. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you being here. Great to be with you, Shay. So, so staffing levels at air traffic control in this country—how big of a problem is it? How bad has it gotten? Uh,
1: well, Shay, unfortunately, it's gotten really bad. It's gotten um, to a point where, uh, at some point uh, during the summer, for example, last Saturday, you had both Montreal and Vancouver Airport in what's called our ground delay programs for virtually the entire operating day. So what a ground delay program means is that regardless of the weather conditions, regardless of the general operating conditions, the air traffic control system simply places a delay on every single flight operating into or out of that airport because they can't handle the number of aircraft operating and so you know this is a situation that has been um, brewing for quite some time it's not just a c- Canadian problem but it's a problem which Canada seems to have a significant significant difficulty dealing with
0: so I mean just because I'm wondering and I'm glad you brought it up like in terms of the details so if I'm taking a flight from calgary to toronto and they're in that ground delay in toronto does somebody radio calgary and say hey listen that flight's just going to have to wait we can't accommodate them when they get here you'll have to wait till staffing levels i mean is it that precise is it that bad
1: absolutely uh shane what happens is uh when a pilot for example is planning that flight they receive a notification that in order for them to be able to depart Calgary to Toronto or to Montreal or Vancouver, that they have to face a, a wheels-up time, so they will not be able to take off until a specific time. Last Saturday for Montreal, that was 98 minutes on average from the scheduled departure time of flights uh, destined for Montreal. And in Vancouver, it was 43 minutes. So it's that precise to the minute in terms of, the uh, amount of time needed to process that many aircraft arriving into an airport,
0: and it's just staffing levels. They just don't have the people to process that many aircraft.
1: Exactly, and so the uh, situation, for example, could very well be somebody calling in sick, and uh, Nav Canada, the air services, air navigation services provider in Canada, being unable to cover that individual's shift. And so when you've got one air traffic controller or two air traffic controllers who are unable to work on their scheduled day uh, the air navigation system simply says okay instead of having 10 air traffic controllers for this shift, we've got eight and so eight air traffic controllers equals so many flights and every flight on top of that will have to wait and so that's the situation we faced at two of the three largest hubs in the country uh, on Saturday, a Saturday in July during the summer peak when thousands upon thousands of Canadians are taking to the skies.
0: Wow, that's incredible. And it's not new, right? I mean, like the union started talking about this years ago, saying we've got a shortage, we need to address this, right? This is not new.
1: It is not new. The union has been um, adre- uh, talking about the need to address this issue for quite some time. But the situation was made worse by decisions made by now Canada during the depths of the COVID Uh, crisis. And so, as uh, listeners will recall, uh, the air system was virtually shut down for the year to 18 months when borders were closed and flights were limited uh, at airports across the country. Well, now Canada did something which, unfortunately, um, is now biting them, which is um, incentivizing the senior-most air traffic controllers, the folks who have the greatest amount of experience, to retire so you have this situation where not only are you trying to replace <clears throat> missing air traffic controllers of folks who retired, you're also having to replace extremely experienced air traffic controllers with brand new ones. You know, obviously, when you you know, the folks who have the experience are able to be more productive in their work day, they're able to handle more situations and more flights than folks who have just you know, graduated from air traffic controller training. And so the situation in Canada, unfortunately, is does not appear to be something which can be resolved overnight.
0: And Duncan, it's a sizable number, right? When we talk about the number of air traffic controllers that were, you know, were told to resign, were laid off, were cut, we're talking about hundreds of air traffic controllers over the course of the pandemic, right?
1: Well, just to give you an idea of the numbers we're talking about, there are currently 400 air traffic controllers in the training pipeline. Not all of those air traffic controllers are going to pass eventually because this is an examined training um, uh, process, as we would love to uh, be reassured, uh, because uh, we want air traffic controllers who uh, are highly trained and also pass the rigorous examination process. But, you know, they've got 400 currently in training. They've got 600 on the way. And so that's a thousand air traffic controllers they are looking at training over the next you know, a couple of years. The problem is, though, is that even if you get these air traffic controllers, these brand new air traffic controllers in those uh, 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 control towers at the airports, they are also going to have to build up their knowledge and experience like the senior most air traffic controllers that just were incentivized to retire. So, you know, you've got a situation here which is, yes, uh, the result of a shortage But, you know, many of the problems created by that shortage were created by the management team at NAV Canada who made the decisions they did without looking at the potential recovery in air travel that we are now seeing.
0: You're absolutely right. I mean, not only did they, I think it's over 700 jobs they cut over the course of the pandemic, but on top of that, they also canned the training program, at least temporarily. They suspended that, so they weren't, they didn't have a plan in place to replace the people that they had cut
1: Absolutely. And, Shay, uh, you know, the the point that you've made is is critical because the uh, situation was foretold. You know, the union has been talking about this for quite some time. Um, Airlines were seeing the initial impact of what was happening last summer. As you remember, it was a horrible summer for air travelers in Canada. Um, Part of it was masked just by how screwed up uh, things were at other federal agencies like the Canadian Air Transport Security Agency and the Canadian Border Services Agency, that Nav Canada was sort of forgotten as a culprit for the mess that we saw last summer. But even last summer, we were seeing bits and pieces of what was going on. And uh, so airlines, uh, a number of observers, including myself, were saying, well, let's get going because next summer is just around the corner. Why do we have 400 air traffic controllers in training now? Uh, You know, trying to train these people up in the middle of the summer peak when they could have been trained months ago so that they would be bums in seats at the air, um, air traffic control centers throughout the country now so that we could minimize the disruptions that we're seeing. You know, to have two of your largest airports in the country virtually grinding to a halt on a Saturday in July is you know very difficult for travellers to make sense of and also for them to recover from when they've got holiday plans that are at stake.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean it's just it's it's a disaster waiting to happen. Hey, I wanted to ask you one other component of this and, and I find it interesting and uh, the government did in part of the new aviation the bill C52 that covers a lot of the things that you and I are talking about here. They want to try and come up with a better way of getting some data around what's actually going on because we all yell at the airlines and the airlines say why don't you yell at the airports? Why don't you yell at her? We don't know, right? There's no way of tracking. If our flight's delayed, we have no way of knowing why that flight was delayed. The U.S. does it differently. They track every single flight, right?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, this was a recommendation that I, as part of the Canada Transportation Act review, made in 2020. Uh, sorry, 2016. So it's been nine years in the making that the federal government dusted off our report that we submitted to them in 2015. uh, And they've now finally decided that, uh, you know, the time has come to listen to the experts they hired, they paid good money for to provide them with the advice that we need to join other modern economies like the European union and the United States in collecting and publishing the data on such a critical part of our economic well-being as a country. You know, we are flying blind uh, when we're looking at air policy in Canada. We do not have the data required to make smart decisions as to how we can ensure that travellers travel without the disruptions that they've seen over the last few years. And COVID really wasn't the cause of that. COVID allowed... Uh, many of those issues to come home to roost. And so what we're now seeing in Canada, unfortunately, is the product of many failed policy decisions that we've taken as a country.
0: Yeah, what a mess. And uh, what's the timeline, you think, to sort of get this fixed? Because like you say, we sort of put ourselves in a spot here. How long does it take to fix it?
1: Look, I think it's going to take quite some time. I was hoping that this summer uh, would be uh, less disrupted than last summer when things were completely off track things are better so you know we i hope are not going to end up this summer with the three of the worst delayed airports on the planet like we had last year but you know uh, for us to actually get to the crux of the problem to get to the root of why we are seeing these disruptions impact virtually every trip that every canadian wants to take during the peak travel periods we need to address some of the very basic things that are being addressed in every other country. Just to give you an idea, the US government last year decided that they would fund airports across their country to the tune of 25 billion US dollars. Okay? So the US government, Congress and the president have appropriated 25 billion US dollars to improve and make their airports more modern and more competitive. In Canada, the Canadian government collects from travelers half a billion dollars every year year in this fascinating thing in the country which we call ground rent. So every airport sits on a piece of ground which the federal government says is theirs and they collect rent for the ability for that airport to operate on that piece of land. And so the the ground rent that they collect is half a billion dollars a year which they do not reinvest back into the airports of the country. And so we've got airports that are falling apart or that require uh, much investment to modernize other countries are doing it. Canada is not, and we've decided not to. And so, you know, when things are the way they are today, we need to look back at the root causes of them, and that's going to take some time to fix.
0: Yeah, we got a, we got a, a job ahead of us. Duncan, great insight. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time today.